The Natural Order If there is order in nature, why is there war between nations? Natural science tells us the universe sprang from nothing yet order spontaneously emerged. We think something is the opposite of nothing, but in fact the opposite of nothing is order. Nothing is better considered to be the absence of order than the absence of things. Things are order. Without the order there are no things. The advent of material objects from what is usually visualized as an explosion of unimaginable proportions is the emergence of order from absolute disorder. Which brings us to the emergence of man. Humanity exemplifies order. The human body and brain are organized with a complexity that is of such a high order it cannot be described or depicted, let alone duplicated. The very building blocks of this complexity are part of the design. But sometimes it seems as if this perfectly designed vehicle, called humanity, stalls each time we attempt to operate it. Why would the pinnacle of creation resort to war to settle a political issue? We have language, we can talk, so why fight? Why this breakdown of the social order? But fight we do fight. Men fight individually, interfamily, intergenerationally and in every social grouping we are aware of. Crime itself is a form of lashing out at those with whom we disagree. Why would a creature of such intelligence as ours resort to fisticuffs? Fighting is a way to restore order by other means. This is why there are so many similarities between the nation's justice system and the international one. Both are mechanisms to restore order by destroying the ability of the rogue to impose their order on us. Our intelligence is the problem. We are too intelligent for our own good. Man sees order, but he does not worship it. He sees order and seeks to exploit it. Upon seeing a pattern man looks for ways to exploit or circumvent this order. If the stagecoach travels the same route each week and carries a payload each trip and passes Big Rock Canyon at approximately the same time each trip, and people are frightened of dying, it is theoretically possible to waylay the stagecoach, threaten the passengers and driver with death, and by this means force them to hand over their valuables. The criminal thinks he is smart because he has seen a pattern and devised a way to exploit this predictability to benefit himself. The hunter sees deer following the same path to the river and lays in wait at a particular location to harvest deer for food. An inventor watches men at work and figures out a way to make these same motions using technology. All these actions exploit a pattern seen in nature. One behavior is legal, the other illegal, whereas hunting did not used to be illegal, but now is in most places during the greater part of the year. For most of history men have used law to define what is allowed and what is not. Following the law gives us predictability. Criminals are unpredictable and introduce disorder into what is otherwise an orderly community. Intelligent men are able to make a risk-slash-benefit calculation that makes crime seem a plausible option for some in certain cases. The law increases risk for criminal activity, but the marginal impact is usually small. Criminals commit crime on the assumption they will not get caught. There is risk, but criminals minimize the risk with his careful planning. The order he applies is a kind of meta-order that is meant to transcend the order of the victim. 
But the advantage of a criminal exists only so long as the majority of persons do not make the same calculation. Crime requires the majority to maintain the social order. If there was no order crime would be the only option. Order has been ingrained into the psyche and soul of man. Moral people think orderly thoughts and live orderly lives. They are predictable. And because they are predictable, they introduce greater predictability into the lives of others. Order is inherent in nature and sublimated in man. Orderliness becomes integral to how we live and often expresses itself in a targeted way, as in writing or music. Civilization is a measure of how ordered our lives are. Evil works to break down the social order and thereby cause civilization itself to decline. Order is absolutely required to have an idea. An idea is a perceived order. Many people start out with an idea, proposition or principle that cannot be applied in a consistent way. This includes crime. Universalization is a good rule of thumb to apply to ideas. If the idea cannot be applied consistently over all times and places, it probably ought not be entertained. An example is the claim that all persons ought to be treated equally. Superficially, the idea appears to apply to all persons. The idea is more about someone signaling their virtue to the rest of us than a guide to how they live. No one treats others as they treat themselves. Love becomes meaningless in a society in which we treat everyone the same. If a thing can be differentiated from other things, then the thing is different. How does one treat apples and oranges equally? It's a preposterous assertion to say we treat all persons equally while we value people differently. Yet, this claim is almost universally asserted. We are subjected to writers talking about a gender pay gap and the trauma of misgendering people. But this concern never seems to extend to the absence of women in coal mining and the paucity of male teachers. Indeed, what is more patriarchal and discriminatory than the outrage about the rape of women matched by the silence or mockery about male rape, especially in prisons? Why do we demonize men and mock them yet cancel those who call women out on their faults, which they do have? Why is motherhood seen as an injustice endured by women when we demonize the deadbeat dad? Ought we to sacrifice for the good of children or not? Are we obligated to the life we create or is that only for men? Is there a problem we are trying to fix or is it the natural order we fight against? It may be inconvenient for women to be the child-bearer and men the breadwinner, but that is the natural order. It is impossible for men to birth children and difficult for women to leave child-earing to the man. Why do so many oppose what is the easy path? There are two possible responses to any given situation. There is natural order and there is disorder. The natural order, TNO, has a single order giver or source of order. Disorder introduces an alternative organizing principle or agent. If the order is not natural it has to originate an alternative pivot. Disorder centers on a diversion from the central organizing principle. This may culminate in the formation of a cult, business, or state. But the source disorder is a narcissistic individual who rejects the natural order for personal reasons and for personal gain. 
The individual who commits a crime creates disorder. Disorder is relative to what exists, but disorder is also an absolute. The disorder can be compared to the ideal state that we all are aware of. Criminals break human law, but they also contravene the natural order of things. We are to obey the state, not because the state is a natural configuration and perfect, but to oppose it makes things worse. Yet, the nation that combats crime is ultimately no better than the criminal who opposes the state. What is the difference between the state demanding protection money from its subjects and a gang operating a protection racket? The difference is one of scale. The state is considered a better option because it benefits from the economies of scale. Attempts to restore order often means one form of disorder being substituted for another. This is what politics promises. The struggle between left and right is a struggle between types of disorder. Political parties are organizations that create a type of disorder rejected by the other. But what we ought to be doing is seeking and following the natural order of things. This cannot be done by complying with a maker of disorder. The only source of order is God. The only organization that follows God is a theocracy. The only theocracy is a system that recognizes God as the author of all things and the owner of the physical world. This makes a theocracy a business model. God as owner is the only capitalist. If God owns nature and is the author of the natural order, then we manage what belongs to God. Our only possible purpose is to add value to what God permits us to manage. Herein lays the problem, because we do not get to define what has value or the value of what we do. Our actions must add value to the assets created by God. Little of the natural world is useful to mankind without some degree of processing. Civilization is defined by the rate at which value is added as a ratio of the rate at which value is consumed. This gives us the rate at which residual value is added. Residual value is the amount left over after expenses are deducted. Residual value is the rate of investment. Needless to say the fewer people working compared to the number consuming, the lower the amount available for investment. God cannot be defeated. The community husbands its resources and creates a surplus for investment or remains poor. If we do not live according to the natural order ordained by God, we cannot prosper. The natural order of things always prevails.